0: Welcome to Conspiracy Dimensions, everyone. Joining me tonight, as always, is my partners Bevo and Ralph. We're going to start off with a couple of headlines this week. We're going to do a couple of the odd conspiracy headlines that came through that just look a little funny, and this will be stuff that we'll be tracking for in the future to see what comes out of it. One of the ones that I found that was really unusual was Marina Abramovic was chosen to be an ambassador for the Ukraine to help with their school systems. I believe it was, if anyone doesn't know who she is, she's a very unique person in the art, I guess, uh, industry. And she is really well known for her kind of extreme art that she does. And she also has a lot of different, um, not ties, but her artwork actually looks like a lot of occultic rituals. So people were wondering, you know, not the, the conspiracy world was wondering, how does this woman get picked to help with the school system in the Ukraine when she's really a pretty nutcase artist and looks like she has some obvious occult ties? I don't know if you guys saw that one at all. That was a very interesting one, so we'll be keeping up on that. And one of the other ones that I found was there was a really good video series on by Team Enigma on BitChute where they were doing the GIS, the geographic information system for the Hawaii fires in Maui. And what they were showing was they were showing how the areas that were burned during the Hawaii fires, the GIS was showing the locations and what it looked like and the areas... He overlaid with the projects that were proposed to the island itself, which couldn't get approved because the people that were on the land have ownership rights to that land, almost like in America for the Native Americans, we have reservations and they have a special law that clauses them onto that land. They have something similar, but these investors wanted to push for those areas and chew up that for these certain projects that they had. And obviously there was no way to relocate these people. So he did a video series showing all of the projects that were proposed and showing that those were exactly the areas that were burned and pretty much destroyed almost completely. The Hawaii fires is a very sensitive subject. So we are going to be keeping up on that for a long time. And eventually I see in the future, we will be doing a show on that one. Uh, Ralph, I happened to catch the one that you sent us with J.P. Morgan Chase reached the $75 million settlement for the Virgin Islands because of them, uh, they were accusing them of uh, helping Jeffrey Epstein and his sex trafficking enterprise?
1: Damn. Yes.
2: This is, this is uh, yeah, well, this is a joke. I mean, the the, the whole thing is like, uh, you can see that the money pays you out of everything, especially as uh, $55 million of those $75 million. Go to local charities and victim assistance, whatever this means.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know what? Actually, that wouldn't be a bad episode, too. At some point in time, is doing how crooked charities actually are. We should do that one in the future. Uh, there was a really fun one that you sent, Ralph, was uh, the, uh, the disappearing of people, in Alaska and what they call the Alaska triangle but uh I had seen a movie a long time ago and it was called uh, the fourth uh, fourth kind I think and uh it shows that Alaska has a huge number of missing persons compared to everywhere else and there was one small number here that said on average with the uh, 100,000 per capita population the average state in the US as uh has like 6.5 people missing out of 100,000 people, and that's I think that's per year. And the highest state was Arizona with 12 people missing, yet Hawaii or Alaska has 42 people missing per 100,000, and it doesn't have that big a population. It's a massive area, but there's not that many people there. So that was really fun. Bears. Yeah, it's it's
2: it's extreme. They lost twenty thousand or oh, twenty thousand uh, people disappeared since the seventies.
0: Yeah, and like I said, man, there's not that many. I mean, aside from a couple of cities, there really isn't a very dense population up there. So uh, you can imagine that people do go up there to get off grid. But it did remind me of at one point in time a while back. I was looking at uh, missing persons numbers off the uh, FBI's website. And in this in the United States, we have quite a few large numbers. We have hundreds of uh, hundreds of thousands of people go missing every year. And then they show the cases of the amount of people that are found or tracked back or whatever the case might be. So almost like a solved case. But it's still there is a huge amount of people that go missing every year. If you ever need to look that up to see it it's just mind-boggling numbers that that many people in in populated areas could go missing
2: if you're bored uh, at wikipedia there's a, there's a page uh, with missing people cases i don't know it's probably a couple of hundreds you can click on on every uh, missing people case and there are some very interesting cases how people simply disappear
1: just disappeared that's yeah. great. Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, well. Yeah, Jimmy <laughs> Hoffa is
0: one of the <laughs> I don't think it's too much of a surprise why that guy disappeared. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, that a good topic on that one. Also, um, there was one that uh, I used, had sent where there was a man arrested and charged in the murder of Tupac Shakur. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up as a conspiracy type, of subject was so this guy gets arrested the thing is is that when this happened there was a lot of controversy surrounding it because there was you know people who are fans they really go into the you know videos of what happened and stuff and i mean you're talking about you know in las vegas and it's one of the most heavily videoed places in the united states and this guy got shot and he's a you know very famous person and there are people who look at those pictures like it was the Sapruder film, and they found that not everybody believed that the guy that got shot in the car was actually Tupac himself. So there was kind of a little conspiracy behind that. So I just wanted to throw that one out there because I was interested that now this came out. Okay. Yeah.
2: This is, uh, and especially the connection uh, to, to uh, Biggie, was always uh, a lot of conspiracy surrounding this whole subject. But this guy, as it says, this guy already uh, went to the police like years ago and said, uh, I was in the car. But he says, uh, the guy who got arrested now for the murder says uh, his his cousin was the shooter.
0: Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. Okay. All right, let's see how that one unfolds. One of the other ones that came through that you sent, Ralph, was uh, police officers, and I believe this article is from Europe in some areas. UK. UK, and they are misusing their body cams, so what they were doing was either turning it off, or the film was getting used incorrectly on social media, or they were actually... um, that they would have the video got filmed during a uh, you know arrest or whatever that went bad, and then that those uh, that footage got lost. And let me tell you that it's not just there in the UK. This happens all over. We're starting to see a really bad one that that came up a few years ago. But a lot of the some of the let's say bad police officers here in the U.S. Are learning how to do single-handed shooting so that they can cover the body cam with their other hand so we've seen this a couple of times now some some videos came out where these officers have been arrested for doing that because what they were doing was you know it's police brutality at that point but uh yeah i saw that one so i guess that's not just here in the u.s i guess the uk is having its own issue with that
2: and and it's not just the uh some bad apple case it's uh, the bbc investigation uncovered more than 150 reports of camera misuse
1: yeah i mean that stuff's all over youtube too you
2: second day if you if you if you put it this way
1: yeah that stuff's all over youtube i mean here in the states you've got those people that uh, go around testing um how good the police officers are at knowing their job and you know extending their rights um to the police officers it, it's very confrontational with the police but anyway but you know you see the videos of the guys um you know doing a traffic stop and they don't the, the the driver doesn't tell them they're being filmed on the on the the car cam or whatever they've got going and then they get the ticket and blah 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 and then they get to court and the copper you know gets up there in front of the judge says xyz and the guys getting charged say well actually that's not how it went and plays the video and it's like yeah they just blatantly lie so mm. I think yeah we all got to have our cameras rolling at this point.
0: I think that would be the best way I'm a big fan of uh, any of the auto cams or the dash cams or anything like that on a vehicle <laughs> just to get a little more accurate idea of what happened during an incident because there's always going to be a perspective issue of how things went and you know some by the time it gets to court not everybody remembers everything clearly so the more video footage we have the better things are going to be and ralph i wanted to ask you this one because i wasn't exactly sure what this was going the department of justice uh posted an embarrassing court document from google (laughs) what was going on with that one
2: yeah, it's a, it's about um, I think yeah, it's a Google executive who said that uh, search engines are, uh, get you hooked like cigarettes or drugs.
0: <laughs> he had to say that,
2: right? And, <laughs> <So> and <laughs> it, it 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 was uh, part of. Uh, um, of a presentation he was planning to do but he never did it in public because uh, someone probably realized you cannot do this this is insane yeah
0: (laughs) or at least reword it so it doesn't sound that bad i mean but yeah i mean he's not wrong You know, you do, people are creatures of habit. We do get used to what we're doing. It's very hard for people to change. And these guys have monopolized, you know, search engines practically. So yeah, I I could see where he's, he's right about that. There was no doubt about that one. Uh, And the other one that you sent, that was a good one. The Nord Stream Pipelines, that article that you sent from the Guardian, I really liked something that they talked about here because when that first happened, it was very... Um, nobody was sure if it was an actual attack or if this was some type of seismic problem, like an anomaly that, you know, had an issue, but in the article that you sent actually claimed that the explosions that made the holes on Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 pipelines last year, Swedish investigators confirmed they were caused by man-made explosives. So that's a very big part of that story because for a long time nobody was saying that that was the case everybody was saying well we still don't have an official idea of what's going on but it looks like now we know for sure so that one's kind of uh now it's just a matter of who did it but uh that looks like that one's getting a little closer to a resolution there did I yeah, read... that's
2: already a, a very i mean ne- nearly a proof case who did it Um, There there was a German or there's a German uh, uh, news magazine who did a very deep investigation. They figured out which boat was used, uh, which explosives were used, um, and which people were connected to.
1: So, who did it, Ralph?
2: Uh, uh, As it looks like, it was uh, supported by uh, Polish secret service. And it was done by uh, Ukraine's Secret Service.
0: Oh, man. That's a good one. That's a good one. But last on the headline list, actually, I have uh, an archaeologist find an underwater city off the coast of Egypt. And it dates back at least a thousand years. They call it the real-life Atlantis. Now, I've heard the Atlantis is here story so many times throughout the course of my life, I'm very skeptical. I think the reason that this comes out so much is that we do have a pretty good amount of geological evidence that there was a deluge at some point. So there was some type of mass flooding over time, and uh, there are some... Uh, researchers that believe that there was two they call it uh meltwater pulse b was the second one that happened about a thousand years after the first one so that's pretty close in the amount of time as far as our existence of like a modern society but i think the reason why we have so many different atlantis type stories is because there are so many cities (laughs) underwater and we just keep finding them that uh you know it it matches some of the because the atlantis itself we don't have too much information on if the atlantis that we're all talking about is the same thing, but we definitely have a lot of underwater uh you know city stories and I love this kind of stuff because it also comes up with uh lost technologies and lost civilizations. I would love to do an episode on that sometime
2: yeah I would like to do, uh, do it as well, uh, especially as um Uh, A while ago, I read an article about how obsessed the Nazis were about uh, uh, finding Atlantis. This whole story is crazy as well.
0: Yeah, we'll have to do that one. (laughs) We'll have to do that one one day. That's going to be a fun one, though, because there's so many of them. That's going to be really cool. Well... The episode for today, everyone uh, who has seen our uh, previews, was we're doing professional sports. And what this is is we're showing a little bit about how professional sports, no matter what the sport, no matter where in the world it's played, always has some type of tinkering, let's call it, going on with it. So I wanted to start off by talking about from a U.S. point of view, we've had things like this a couple of times. We saw that in 1919, There was the White Sox scandal where eight members of the team took a very large amount of money to fix the World Series game and change the outcome. So it wasn't actually shown as a sport. It was done for payoffs. And the payoffs seemed to come back down to betting. And that was the real thing. Anytime we have some kind of fixing in a professional sport – it looks like the reasons are always going to come back down to the bets that are being placed and who's placing those bets. We had uh, one time in more recent times in 1989, Pete Rose, who was a very famous baseball player in the U.S., was managing the Cincinnati Reds, and there was a huge thing with him because he was betting, but the real thing was he was betting for or against his own team. So there was you know, a lot of controversy around that. It, it blew up like crazy. I mean, it was really big, big sports news. But not everybody wanted to cover that because it makes the sport look bad. The thing that I wanted to get into with this sports betting issue was I found someone from the topic of the NFL, the National Football League, which is American football, is Moldia Moldia. Dan Maldia wrote a book called Interference, How Organized Crime Influences Professional Sports, so, or prof- professional football, 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 football And what was interesting about him was he's an investigative journalist. Now, he had written books prior to that, and he's a real, like, uh, bloodhound when it comes to sniffing out different information. So he writes this book, and the thing is, this book came out <laughs> about games in the early 70s, and, or late 70s, early 80s. And from there, they, you know, he was saying that there are a lot of different people involved, and a lot of the people who were suspected of f- fixing these games were connected to organized crime in some way. So there's a ton of information on in this book. It was very big. But what I wanted to do was just hit the real quick highlights of what happened. So he finds out that in the past and at the time that he was doing it that there was at least 26 team owners who had documented ties with the gambling community and organized crime. Then they had evidence that no fewer than 70 games had been fixed up to the time that he was doing it. What killed me was was that there was also 50 legitimate uh, investigations within the NFL that were squashed. So what happened there was anytime somebody as a law enforcement agency came up with any of this information, the NFL has what they call NFL security. It's their own internal investigation group. And they had a real tight connection with a lot of these agencies and said, hey, listen, guys, you know, let's not make a big deal about this because, you know, we really set a good, you know, mood for the Americans and, and we... You know, make it a nice uh, a nice sport, and we want to keep it that way. So if you guys start making these investigations, you know, public knowledge, it's going to make the game look really bad, and people are going to start losing faith in us and the entire franchise. So after that, this guy, Dan, who wrote this book, said, you know what, this is what I see, and he has a couple of interviews on YouTube that you can see from back then. He goes, this is what I see is going to happen in the future. So... He said, at the current time, these NFL franchises make a lot of money with their television contracts because they gather such a big uh, viewing audience. And he said, but at some point, it's not going to be enough to cover it. Now, at that time, gambling was very restricted in the U.S. So people were usually using illegal bookies, which were had mob connections. He said in the future, he goes, I see that gambling is going to become legal so that this way the teams themselves can actually start setting their own lines and making their own bets even at the stadium. The problem with that is once you do that, you also have the ability to fix a game because if it's your team and you want it to win and or lose, you can do that depending on how much money went into the bets that you're going to cash in on. So it became a business model. Then hmm. and, and back then, everybody said he was absolutely crazy. They said, no way, you are nuts. This is never going to happen. And then in 2018, 29 years after he said this, the Supreme Court, in during one of the cases, struck down the law that prohibited states from legalizing sports betting. So that did the exact thing. And what Dan had said in his book was, you know, these guys who run these sports, they're the ones saying, look, there is a ton of money going into betting. We're not getting any of it, but it's going to the mob and we're doing all the work. So why the hell should these guys reap all the benefits of this? So this is why so many of them were connected. The names went on forever. The amount of people that were in on this were ridiculous. So it was players, and it was owners, and it was just about everybody. But the main people they went for were the referees. So nowadays, I started this out, and I remember a while back when you finally had things like uh, Tebow and, and ways to... Uh, videotape a game, you could actually look it up and go back and see plays that you felt there was something fishy going on with it, and there were a lot of guys on YouTube that said this, and they said, yeah, here's one example, here's another example, and everybody always you know, gets very upset when their team loses, but on this guy's book, this guy comes out and says, these are the people involved, this is exactly how it's going to go, and this is what we're worried about. To give you an idea, he actually brought all of his information and some of his informants to the FBI, who was doing a joint project at the time with the IRS, wondering where these referees and these guys were getting all of this money in their accounts. And the project was called Layoff. So Project Layoff was investigating the NFL at the time. And then all of a sudden, he was helping them. And all of a sudden, the project got really fast and everybody stopped doing the investigations and nfl security took over and one of the leaks that came out of it that we know now because it's you know further in the future was the only way to prove that a game is going to be fixed is to be able to go to this investigative agency like the irs and say look these games are going to end with these scores This is how this is going to happen. So they did that. So they took eight games, brought it to the IRS and said, look, these eight games are going to end with the scores being here. What happened was all of the investigators that were on that team got in trouble because they already knew the scores. They were placing their own bets. So this whole thing, <laughs> this whole thing blew up inside the IRS. It's like you
1: guys are supposed to be, you know, going after these guys. You're just becoming part of the problem. Got a so what, got a couple of questions there for you, new one. Sure, so, sure. Um, not familiar, um, as you probably are with your with your national sports. But are the bets that are being placed more for the outcome of a game or individual? Um, Players doing certain creating certain events. Now I'm I'm going to mess this up, but I'll I'll try. So say it's um batter number three for the New York Yankees is going to get a walk, uh, or he's going to get hit by the ball, um at at the top of the fifth or something like that. So it's yes. something that one person can control because I see that's that's far easier to control than trying to get both sides to finalize a right. game score of say eight right. four. So that there would, to me, mean there's massive corruption, whereas the individual-type um, setups and bookie, Because bookies take bets on anything. Like They'll take a bet on two flies, you know, racing up a wall, yeah? it's yep. So uh, is it both or mainly the individuals? It's actually... You know what? I would say as a whole,
0: from what I... Now, I don't have this information right here, but what you started seeing happening was... This was not only just pandering to the people who were placing these big bets, but it was also changing the line setters. So aside from, yes, you can say a boxer is going to take a dive in the fifth round. Yeah, that's easy to do because you're only dealing with one guy. However, when it came to an entire team, that it is still happening, it is still possible. And what you'll notice is, Those lines will change the betting lines of whatever the spread of that game is going to be. So depending on how things come out, they will change the the spreads so that more people are betting on this side. But then the the guys who they want to win their bets, these organized guys and the team owners, they're the ones who know exactly what this is going to finish out at. The thing is, they're also working with the referees because the referees can easily make bad calls to try to, you know, kind of curtail a game in a particular direction. But the ones that they're really going after, they said the two main groups were the quarterbacks and the kickers because they handle the ball more than anyone else. The other thing is, is that they're all part of that same group so if you have a guy on the take on team a he knows who's on team b who's also making money on throwing that game so it's not just one guy who you're relying on the outcome of, of an entire game. There's a few people involved in there making that happen. And the quarterbacks and the kickers handle the ball the most, and they generate the mo- most likely amount of points out of all the players on the field. So they're the ones that they go after pretty often. There was quite a few cases of that that you can look up, and you'll see most of these guys will have either drug problems or gambling problems. Some of it was pretty bad. There was one of them that got uh, left off. I can't remember what team it was right now, but it got actually got left off of the NFL's uh, uh, what do they call that? Like medical roster. So if somebody gets hurt on a team before a game. The NFL will actually post that person's injury so that people know, OK, this guy's not playing. I am going to change my bet based on the fact that this player who's very good isn't going to be in the game that day. There was one of them where inside the during the final game during the Super Bowl, the entire team was offered food by the, the stadium that was hosting the game. And every single one of them the day before got food poisoning from that food. Ugh. And they lost. <laughs> they lost the game. The thing <laughs> is, that was known by the people involved, like the players and the team owners and things like that. But it wasn't known to the general public because they never posted it on the medical rosters. They didn't want the public to know. They wanted them to think that these guys were going to be just as good as they had been all season long.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> So the other thing that I pick up with all that, and you said a little bit about it before, is when they had the FBI and the IRS and the like investigating, that the the NFL's um, investigative body seems to have more power than your three-letter agencies because they can take control of the situation. But from my point of view, you've got laws... (laughs) For everybody, and it doesn't matter whether you're a sports sports person or not. If you're breaking the law, then it needs to and it be investigated. the The NFL shouldn't have be able to say anything right. or, or or interfere at all. And the investigation should continue, and that person should be um, charged and, and what have you, uh, as needed. But you're telling me that that's not what happens. They, that's they, not what happens. They no. turn it. They turn they a They have their fire. own. They
0: have their own investigative internal agency, and if any one of the legal agencies like the FBI or IRS goes to them with any questions, they say, we've been presented with this information about these people or this game, they give them that, they do their own, air quote, investigation, and then come back and give the results to the FBI. The FBI isn't actually doing the investigation at that point.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that' a little ridiculous, right? <laughs> so that's that's um, yeah, that's protected species is what that is.
0: Yep, that's exactly what that is. But that was what I wanted to do was uh, Dan Moldia's book on uh, interference was the name of the book. He did an excellent uh, job on that. If anybody's interested on is the NFL rigged, that is a great place to go to start finding information of how badly it actually is rigged what you're watching you have to remember also is not in the united states the nfl is not listed as a sport under its um business contract it's listed as entertainment so there is no legal reason that they should have to follow the rules that they say. They can literally have both teams go out there and have a tennis match if they wanted to. They don't ha- they're don't; they not listed as a sport, so they're not regulated as a sport. They're entertainment. Whatever they say goes.
2: That's very interesting uh, because th- it, it doesn't mean that they do their own uh, doping rules as well.
0: Their own what's that?
1: Doping rules, rules for... Uh... enhancing drugs. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah. and you know, oddly enough, I just ran into that. Uh, They just came out with another article. It was just a couple of days ago, now that I think about it. But uh, the NFL came out and said, okay, uh, you know, this is getting... The the drugs are getting so friggin' out of hand that they're putting heavier... uh, uh, heavier like uh, punishments on these guys because these guys could get caught with a Schedule One narcotic and commit a crime in the process and they're, these guys aren't going to jail for it they're, they don't suffer the same penalties that a regular citizen would so they said you know what uh, we're going to have to crack down on this a little bit. That article just came out a a little while ago, a few days back. I saw it. And there are also other times of people that over the years, there was, uh, one person by the name, he was on a, um, podcast and he was a player. Let me find his name really quick. It was Arian Foster was talking about how the NFL is rigged and it is scripted. And He went into saying, yeah, a lot of times when we are practicing, we are practicing a script. We're not practicing a game. Now, a lot of people got on him and said, oh, well, you know, he didn't. He was just joking around. That's not true. That's not serious. But not everybody believed that. And God knows why the hell he would say that on a podcast for whatever reason. So we do have players that have come forward and said, yeah, you know what? This is. There's a lot of fixing in these games.
1: Yeah, I had a guy the other day tell me, he said... uh that the, the, the worldwide of wrestling was rigged and scripted. I told him that's bullshit. <laughs>
0: you, know, you know what's crazy, Bello? I thought about that. So I actually was very young when when this started to come out and people started talking about it. And I remember being in school and some guys going, you're not gonna believe this, but wrestling is fake. Oh, now, no, the, no. the thing is, <laughs> people actually did believe it at one point in time that it was real. The problem with the NFL is the same problem. Yeah. It is so deeply embedded into our culture now. Could you imagine what would happen if we found out that every single game that you guys watch, you know, that everybody's watching, is a just pile of crap that's been scripted before the season even started? I mean, it would just destroy the, the motivation in this country of any type of entertainment like that.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a worldwide problem, and you know, it appears from what you are telling me, the American sports people get a free pass, um, as they do in Australia, and I am sure they the soccer players in Europe, or the football players in Europe, do, and uh, it, maybe it's just the government's realization that they have to give the people something to believe in and hang hang on to, so they let it slide. You know, if not they not only
2: it, if, uh, they, if you look
1: at. Yep.
2: Go. Uh, not, not only it's a, it's a propaganda tool for governments. Yeah. You can go back to the 1936 uh, uh, Hitler and his uh, Olympics. Uh, you can uh, check a lot of World Cups in football, like uh, 78 in Argentina uh, when when there was a dictator. Uh, 2018 in Russia. 2022 uh, in Qatar. It's often used to to improve the image
0: of your country yeah you know ralph i'd also like to uh speak to something as you said about that yeah it, it, it's very easy where you might not think that this is real and again this is speculation so i'm not saying this is dead set fact but if you look at how things work our our nfl our american football is the biggest thing going every year for sports in this country every time our country has gone to war we would have some team like the Patriots win, right? When Hurricane Katrina happened and decimated New Orleans and most of the Gulf in Louisiana, the New Orleans Saints won the Super Bowl that year. Now, that might not seem like that big a deal, but if you looked at their past records and their players, that was a very unlikely thing to happen the year after. You know, that nobody really saw that coming. There are other things that we can get a little bit even deeper into. Last year, when we had the entire war going on with Ukraine and Russia, the Ukrainian flag is blue and yellow. Every one of the professional sports teams in the United States that (laughs) won their championship games colors were blue and yellow. And on top of it, they all played their final games against teams whose banners were red. (laughs) <laughs> so you got to look at it and go, you know, what are the friggin' odds? <laughs> you know, pick yeah. two colors, pick any two colors in the world, and say next year every single team that wins the championship games is going to have these two colors as their uniform. That's pretty outrageous to be able to pull that off,
1: you know. Once in a lifetime, mate. Once, in a yeah, lifetime. but this yeah, I, so. I realized
2: when I checked the World Cups in football as well that very often. The host of of the World Cup does very well in the tournament. The host of the
0: World Cup. What's
2: that? Yeah, the host of the World Cup often does very well in the tournament.
1: Yeah, that's home ground advantage, Ralph. I mean that that's no biggie. I wouldn't have thought you expect to play well at home. I mean, you I'll,
0: know, I will say this, Bevel. One of the other things that you'll notice as a as a pattern that emerges. Through NFL's football. When we play the Super Bowl, there's only a few stadiums that they do it in because of the weather. So those teams generally are there and it's looked at as a business opportunity. The team that usually plays in the Super Bowl isn't the home team. Yeah. So both teams are playing at a stadium that isn't their home stadium normally. That doesn't always happen, but it's very, very common. The thing is, you'll notice that the team that didn't play, but they used their stadium, usually will make it right to the playoffs the year after or the year before. It's almost like a reward, saying, "Hey, guys, listen, you know, you're not going to make it to the Super Bowl, but we need your stadium, so we're going to make your team do very well this year."
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't doubt that um, we're using our sports teams as a as a propaganda tool and a, a tool that the government um lets things slide to manipulate it to to help keep the masses um controlled and happy because let's face it with all the shit that goes on um a lot of us uh, our only escape is our sport on the weekend i mean you know the everyday yeah. person wo- works yeah. hard all week and they look forward to going to the to the sports arena on the weekend and yell and scream and drink beer and you know have their team win yep. so it's a perfect avenue for it for sure
0: you know, I know that you did a little bit of background with cricket, and I'd like to hear some of that, actually, because that's a sport I'm not too familiar with.
1: Yeah, that's that's sure. I can go into cricket. Um, I'm a bit of a cricket tragic. Uh, been watching the game since I, you know, can remember. Um, bit of a cricket tragic and, and followed it for my whole life. Um, interesting fact, uh, new one, cricket is actually the – Second most popular game in the world Really? <laughs> yep, yeah, second to that, You got me on that one, I would have never guessed that. Yeah, Because uh, India is playing it So you've got a lot of followers Yes you do But there's a hundred nations that play cricket um, And it's uh, Just in India alone You've got um, uh, The figures I think is 10% of the population um, Play cricket in India so just in India alone you've got a hundred million people playing the game. Just in India. I think this is my guy. Right. <laughs> so um, yeah, a lot of people don't know that that's the case. And and as with football new one, when we have a cricket world championship, it's not just one country playing the world championship. <laughs> <laughs> just 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 FYI. Um <laughs> That was, for people, that was a dig at, you know, World World (laughs) Series baseball, yeah, uh, with Americans So you're
0: saying the Cricket World Series is actually played by the entire
1: world (laughs) Yeah, well, it's sort of, (laughs) sort of Uh, But um, there's a select few of teams that make it through to the level um, that can play international test cricket Um, But cricket's an old game, started, uh, seems to have roots originally back in the 1600s Um, and the, and the, in England and I I believe France as well. And the game sort of modeled along for a couple of hundred years and the the rules evolved and and then it got fairly organized in the late 1800s. Um, and the first, um, what they call test match cricket, the first test match was played in nine, in 1877 at the Melbourne cricket ground in Australia. And that was between the English and the Australians. Um, it and so to give the the viewers, I realise we have a lot of people here that probably don't know cricket. A test match um, goes for five days, um, and what happens is you bat, and um, the other team will bowl. They bowl you out, then they bat, and then you rinse and repeat. So you basically have two innings each, and that's that's played over a five day period. Um, and it's called a test match because um, it, it literally is a test of you, if you can imagine um, having to play a game for five days straight without any rest, you play six hours a day, and it's always played <laughs> in in summer. Um, so if you're in the field, you can be in the field for like six hours, and it's you know hundred plus degrees heat. Um, it it just mental as well as physical. So it's five days, so they call it a test match. Um, that's been the traditional. Um, Game of cricket since uh, Like I said 1877 Um, And Then you know It went along and it went along and we've we've had um, Test cricket between a lot Of different nations around the world You know since uh, The 1900s Early 1900s I would think Um, And then in about The 1970s The game started to change And that was there was uh, An Australian entrepreneur um, uh, he's now passed, but, um, what he did was, uh, his name was Kerry Packer and he owned, um, a TV station and he was a very successful businessman and blah, blah, blah. And what he did was he said, I reckon I can monetize this even better rather than having five days of cricket on the TV, which is a hard sell. I'm going to make this game where we bowl 50 overs each and it's over in six hours. So you bat three hours, bowl three hours, and I'm going to televise it and you know yada 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 it was called 50 it was called one day internationals 50 over cricket and so that's pretty much where i believe the rot started was back in the 70s because you know you started getting um advertising dollars and tv rights and yada yada getting involved and then we move along to the early 2000s um the indians get involved and when they get involved they get involved um they started this thing called T20, and what that is is 20 overs each, and it's over in about three hours. And that started in the early 2000s, and this is where the corruption and the bribery and whatever you can think started. Um, so, for instance, now the, the players can earn – and the IPL, which is in. in Indian Premier League it's only a two month season and a player from and what happens is you've got all these teams that are owned by rich businessmen and they go and scout players from all over the globe to build their you know super team so to speak and these players they can get paid two, three, four, five million dollars for their for their season depending how big they are and that's two months yeah two months like <coughs> eight weeks all over done <laughs> Damn! Yeah, he sounds lazy. <laughs> yeah, so this
2: is you. You play two games in in uh, two months. I think. T- I guess they they take so long.
1: <laughs> no, no, these are the T twenty games, Ralph. They only um, twenty overs each, so they're over in six six hours. This ah, is what I'm they so-
2: changed the rules a couple of years ago, I, I think. Or.
1: Yeah, no. It's just the development of the game. It went Test match cricket, then you had One Day International cricket, which a fifty over game, and now it's the T Twenty, um, is the more modern short version of the game. We still play Test matches, which is the purest form of the game, but the T Twenty and the fifty day, uh, fifty over is like the, you know, more for TV and and you know generating cash. So just to give you an idea of how much money is involved. Um, in the 90s, the whole um, TV rights and revenue was about 50 million. In in the around the 2010, it was 550 million. Shit. And now the, the the money that's involved is one and a half billion. That's with a B. Right. So, oh God. So, yeah. The TV rights um, are the main forms of revenue, and they're coming from your three main teams being India. England and Australia um, and India alone has 1.3 billion viewers so when there's a wow, cr- there yeah they're really into it so w- when, when there's a cricket game on doesn't matter who what when how or why there's 1.3 million Indians three three billion Indians sitting on the edge of their seats and they're all betting you can bet bet your bottom dollar on that and so how we've evolved from that we, we've got um, there's the ICC the International uh, Cricket Council which is supposed to be the governing body and it's supposed to be impartial but it's been doing deals with uh, behind closed doors with the top three being Australia England um, and India and the other seven test playing nations because there's only ten are um, are losing out they're not getting the games the the main 3 are orchestrating the the what do you call it the, the list of games per year cuz the teams travel from continent to continent um, are getting structured and played between the top 3 all the time instead of these outlying um, countries so they're getting diminishing returns um, gotcha. they, they're not gotcha. getting they're not getting the cash so their players are, are lining up for the IPL and which makes it even worse because yeah you know, now that the national team has lost their best players to the IPL, so it just gets it just keeps getting worse and worse. And so, it, you know, India was manoeuvred itself into a point where it was having that much control um, that other entities like England and Australia were going to try and stand up to India. And so, what they did was they got this uh, judge, and he was an English judge. It was uh, his name was Lord Wolfe, to uh, To assess the ICC governance, and in his report, he's you know he outlined all the pitfalls and all the dangers and where it was going to head, yada yada yada. And then the ICC had a massive um, meeting after all this over a few years, and it was held in Dubai. And they had this massive meeting and invoked all the new governance. And guess what? None of uh, Lord Wolf's. Um, uh, Things that he said should be, you know, implemented, and this guy was a judge, were implemented, and they just restructured the rules to suit the main big three. Huh, so, so then nothing it, uh,
0: got accomplished. No, <laughs> yeah, well, it
1: did. It it secured the, the the revenue for Australia, England, and and more so India. But they didn't. Real man, yeah, these guys. Yeah, but the English had a had a little try, and what they did, that, that Giles Clark, he was the chairman of the English cricket. Um, what he did now, this is, this is bizarre. What he did, he teamed up with, oh, what was his name? Um, Texan. He's a Texan billionaire, Alan Stanford. You you would know that name? No, no, I don't. Yeah. Okay. Well, he was a, a, a Texan billionaire and what, um, the, the English cricket board did was said, we'll team up with Alan and we're going to run this competition and the winner will get. A one-off payment of twenty US million dollars. Right. So they had oh. this. They had this tournament, and as always, it was fixed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, <laughs> but that wasn't the problem. Um, Alan Stanford was being investigated by our good friend, at, our good friends at the SEC, and they uncovered America's second largest Ponzi scheme worth oh. eight. <laughs> oh, <man>. eight <laughs> Eight billion dollars, mate. This guy, and the SEC put him in jail, and they gave him. This is how bad it was, mate. They gave him a hundred and ten years.
0: how amazing! He actually went to jail.
1: <laughs> yeah, and for hundred and ten years. So, so basically, what England done? They they got into bed with this guy, um, this Texan billionaire, and the whole thing was just a shit show. And then he gets, you know, found out to be a fraudster and yada yada yada. So that left egg on the face of the English. So now they're they're screwed. So then they start sucking back up to the Indians, um, and sort of that's how it rolled, pretty much till the till the present day. I mean, I could go on for hours about this stuff, um, but just some of the interesting stuff that I, I came across that I didn't know. There's a couple I didn't know. Um, the ICC. Distributes about seventy percent of the money between those two, three, the the three top nations I mentioned, and then distributes the rest to um, other countries for cricket development, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And China, they gave thirty thousand dollars, and there's a billion of those people. And the the Chinese came out and said, "Well, once it becomes Olympic sport, um, the Chinese government will give." tens of millions of dollars to develop cricket because, you know, they want to win all the, the Olympic medals. And this went to the ICC and the ICC said no. So huh. funny, funny that. But t- further to that, I do believe that the, there may be now going to be cricket in the 2028 Olympics in Los Angeles.
0: Really, yeah. Wow, that would be something to see. So you Holy guys are going to get
1: your first look at the uh, Olympic cricket. Um, and interestingly, cricket was in the Paris Games in 1900. <clears throat> um, and I'll I'll keep moving along. I've got a bunch of other stuff that I could could pile out. Also, but
2: you can you can go on. It's just eight more minutes. So
1: yeah, well, I want to hear some football antics, Ralph, or soccer, should I say?
2: I can get into it.
1: I, I mean, um, yeah. Um, uh, I just give you a list. Like, I've got probably. I know I have to have a list and read off it. I'm sorry because some of the names are really, really hard to pronounce. Um, but and this is just uh, um, a few of them. The, the Chennai Super Kings, which is one of the um, main teams, is owned by this guy called Srinivasan, and he owns China Cement. Uh, sorry India cement um, and he's been basically the big bully because he's got so much money and he's on the uh, Indian cricket board and they changed the rules because you weren't allowed to own a cricket team if you're on the board so they changed the rules so that he could actually own a team because he's on the on the Indian cricket board but anyway they arrested his son-in-law um, for placing a illegal bets and tipping off the bookies and his son-in-law <laughs> and his son-in-law also works for indian cement so dude th- the corruption is deep but anyway these um the, here's some i'll reel off there's uh, muhammad azradin i remember watching him play um in 2000 and he was a former indian captain right was banned from cricket for life So he'd done some bad shit He's banned for cricket from life um, For his involvement in back match fi- fixing Salam Malik from Pakistan Was banned for life um, Also for match fixing um, Muhammad Din, in India Ayaja Sharama Sh- And AJ J- Jadia, All from India They all got done together There was a big scandal Um and they were, uh, they were done for five years each uh, There's a guy from West Indies Marlon Samuels um, He got done uh, A two year ban For uh, passing on team information To a bookie um, Then we have uh, Sh- Shajil Khan From Pakistan And Khalid Latif from Pakistan um, A ban for five years uh, For spot fixing um and then spot like spot fixing um which at spot fixing they they refer to as like it's like an individual thing so in cricket you could you you do a thing you can bowl a no ball so someone would place a bet i bet you this dude will bowl and bowl a no ball in the 5th over ball 4 and sure enough, this guy bowls a no-ball, fifth over, ball four. Guy wins mm. a million bucks. So this spot-fixing was rampant on the subcontinent, like the Indians, the Pakistanis. Remember I'm saying there's $1.3 billion. Um There's actually an, another statistic. There's over $2 billion bet on any one match in India. On one game? On one game. That's the act. That's the average amount of, of a bet of the, of the bets
0: on a single game. When you had said these numbers before, that immediately, when you're talking tar, start talking about money numbers this big, that is just a magnet for corruption.
1: Mate, you know? it, it's out of control. So you imagine, I mean, there's a hundred hundred um oh a, a billion Indians watching. Uh, I can guarantee you, ninety uh, percent of them are, are betting. Um, To get to two billion doesn't take a lot because then you've got the Pakistanis and and also the rest of the world. Um, so yeah, two billion a game. Um, uh, another one that was done was Imran Khan. Now, he was the captain of um Pakistan, and after he um retired from being captain of Pakistan, he became prime minister of Pakistan. And he (laughs) and he was jailed on corruption charges, right? So, you don't think he was um. Yeah, while he was playing, he was fixing games, too.
0: (laughs) What killed me during this list that you were talking about was when I brought up that baseball player, Pete Rose, when he got in trouble for everything, there was a couple of things that happened at that time. One of them, they banned him permanently from baseball. And at the same time with the person's book that I had told you that I was reading that had come out about that. The NFL commissioner was the guy who was getting the most flack for corruption in the NFL. And he was the commissioner for God knows how many years. As soon as that happened with Pete Rose, I think there was a lot of worry about what would have come out if there was a full public investigation. The NFL commissioner retired the very next day out of the blue yeah that was it he was done so and i had a laugh because like these guys were out permanently and you're reading your list and and you're telling me that they're getting like two-year suspensions, three-year suspensions. <laughs> That's not really that much of a punishment when uh, you think
1: about it. Th- there isn't. I mean, it, obviously, it depends on their involvement and what they did, but there was a bunch of them that got life bans that are run out. But these are just the scapegoats too. the You know, the big money, these are just the individuals, mate. Y- you haven't even touched on and you, you'll never find out because they have too much power. And in India, um, you know, it's a bit of a closed sort of – um, secret but the, like the guy that I said that was the owner Of um, The team that we spoke of I can't even remember how I pronounce his name um, He is He's placing bets through his grandson Through his, his son-in-law <laughs> You know he's a, he's a billionaire Right owns the team he's on the board He's getting matches fixed so he Can you know pay for all these players The money's got to come from somewhere um, And just one, one other one that I, I Want to um, for cricket Lovers around the world He's a South African um, Was Hansi Cronje He was the captain back in um, Pre-2000 I would say um, He accepted money uh, From bookmakers to m- manipulate The outcomes of, of cricket matches And he, conv- can, um, he confessed to all of that There was no It was all out in the open Yep yeah, I did it, I did it, I did it, I did it, I did it. Um, He got a lifetime ban But interestingly enough um, During the investigations and before it all sort of went to court and whatever, he died in a plane crash. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, oh, his plane oh, ran oh. into a mountain. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because planes do that often, yeah? They just fly into mountains. <laughs> um, uh, far be it from me to say that, you know, he, he was uh, put there. But anyway, I, I hope you get the idea. I mean, There's- if he would have been Russian, he would have dropped
2: out of a window.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he would have fallen out a window. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I tell you one, i got to tell you this before I go, one funny one. Ralph sends me this article. This is how bad the Indians are. They are corrupt, man, and th- they are bad. The, the guys on the subcontinent, they, you know, um, yeah, they're shockers. But what they did was, to rip off the Russians, they hired, this, went to this farmer, hired a field, Hired a heap of local workers and whatever, dressed them up in cricket uniforms, right? (laughs) And when the the IPL season, the two-month season that I was talking about had finished, they televised another one from this cricket field, uh, from this farmer's paddocks, and they set it up and they used, you know, all sorts of computer graphics and whatever, and they hired these people and umpires and all that. And they televised this thing, this game, to the Russians, and the Russians are making all this bet or making all these bets on this game. And so, <laughs> so so these guys are just you know, they'd receive all the bets and then they just make the, the game play out according to
0: however making. they want yeah the <laughs> yes. Russians can yes. lose.
1: This um, was theater.
0: Oh man that I is think it was
2: it was during COVID during the lockdown so there was not much options. Yeah. And if yeah. you're really into gambling like an addict, you bet on like, like Bebo said, you bet on uh, flies on
1: the wall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but uh, like the lengths, mate. Like we'll go. What well, this is here? I'm going to come The new new one. Right? What we'll do, mate? We'll just go down there. We'll get the farmer's paddock. We'll um we'll put a field on it. And we'll put drop a pitch in. We'll we'll dress up a couple of the locals and give them a cricket bat, and then we'll get some TV cameras and we'll use some CGI and we'll we'll broadcast it into Russia and we'll we'll set up a couple of bookmakers and then we'll make a gazillion. Dude, honestly, I,
0: mean, I don't even think we have to go that crazy. I mean, seriously, we could take some good AI art. Right. Yeah, <laughs> some yeah. decent it's- animation. We don't need to hire anybody, man. We just need a programmer that can do it.
1: Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna call it, Ralph. I mean, you've got some things to say about um, the black rock of of, of football um, being FIFA. Um,
2: I think we are we are through. I mean, I can. I you gotta give us you gotta give us one story, story.
1: you, you if, gotta if if you're into it. Yeah, got to give yes, us one story, yes. but I'm going to call it now. Yeah, b-
2: b- because the people often say, oh, like in the past everything was better. So uh, during checking the FIFA uh, stuff, I uh, thought, let's check the first World Cup, which was uh, 1930 in Uruguay. Yep. And in the group stage, there was, for example, a game between France and Argentina, a football game or soccer, uh, last 90 minutes. Uh, Argentina was 1-0 ahead, uh, we are in the 84th minute, the France striker is uh, running uh, all alone on, on the goal, to uh, on Argentina's goal and the referee, which is from the same confederation than Argentina, but not from this country, but the, he was from the South American Confederation, blows the final whistle. In the eighty-fourth
1: minute, <laughs> <laughs> and what do you oh, got? Nin- ninety minutes, isn't
2: it? Yeah, ninety minutes. But uh, <laughs> yeah. he saw that, oh, the France, uh, the, the French guy, um, probably will uh, score.
1: Yeah. So he just
2: whistled and says the game is over now.
1: Well, that's farcical, absolutely farcical.
0: Our readers, and you know what? Let me ask you. That was the very first one, Ralph. That was,
2: uh, but that's not the only story from this. Uh, for example, the coach of Bolivia uh, was referee in other games where Bolivia was not playing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's this is insane, no? <laughs> oh,
0: that's fantastic!
1: Oh, that's fantastic! Oh no! So uh, you got to wonder, you know, like the ref, the the guy—he's like six minutes to go. He can see he's, the outcome's going to change. He shit his pants because somebody's got a knife to his throat, saying, "If you don't." You know, it may not have been him that had a bet. You don't know. It's like he's, he's been told if you don't make this happen, you're going to die. You know, and the organized crime yeah. has set yeah. the bets up. So he's just shit his pants and blown the whistle, mate. Like, well, that's it. All over. Yep. Done. Yep. Uh,
2: no. in, in the semi finals when Uruguay was playing Yugoslavia, there was an incident, and Uruguay won. There was an incident that uh, a ball went into the out. And the policeman uh, uh, was kicking the ball back to a guy from Uruguay who scored then the goal and the oh referee my said like oh okay <laughs> oh my it's, uh, god it's, it's uh, before uh, television uh, was there there was a lot of possibility to to shake fix those games yes yeah
0: you know actually ralph we have one really funny one here i can't remember the team I think it was a New England team at the time, but it was an old black and white uh, football game, NFL game. And at the time of the play, the final play that would have determined the score of who won or lost got played. I think it was like a kick or a pass, but the ball was in the air. And the ball got blocked and everybody was so excited that it happened, that that the teams rushed out on the field. It was the last play. There was no time left and everybody was really excited. But it was on film for one of the earliest games. And the guy, the player ran up to the coach and said, that guy ran out of the stadium. And if you re-watch it, you can actually see the guy got out of the seat, out of the stadium, ran clean onto the field and stopped the play, and no one even realized it was him.
1: Oh, (laughs) no.
0: They called the game and they said, yep, that's it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's out of control. Well, I think um, we should be probably giving this a wrap-up. We've been babbling on for over an hour now. So, um, basically, you know, we're – sort of looked at what we'd been doing the last few weeks and we'd had a pretty heavy couple of weeks and it was uh, uh you know it was pretty hard going with some of the topics we covered so we thought we'd try and just lighten it up a bit with a bit of sport but you know um, we should have known better i mean when you actually delve into it it's as crooked as the financial system is um, and the government system um, but we try to make it a little bit lighter and just give you just give you uh, you know a few things here and there um so yeah we, we did try to lighten it up but uh, apparently our sports people are just as crooked as the rest of them so um you, what can we do i guess um so i'd like to thank uh, new one and ralph for popping in um unless you got have you got anything to say you got you want to say anything you two
0: now i just wanted to close out with i hope that if everybody takes anything away from this episode is that the sports that you watch are probably not as honest as you think they might be
2: ralph yeah he's right there are so many stories of um i mean proven stories uh where uh, games got fixed in all kind of sports tennis football boxing like oh. like everywhere uh that yeah, yeah. You, like you said, uh, NFL, it's, it's not uh, wrong to declare it entertainment and not
1: sports. Yeah, yeah. Well, from the, the worldwide wrestling team, new one, Bevo and Ralph, uh, nothing, he- nothing here was conspiracy at all, was all truth. Um, <laughs> we would uh, like to thank you for coming and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye for now.